Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Working our way through this book, 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at, uh, starting with verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. As you're turning there, uh, I just want to encourage us. Um, again, most of us would, would probably say, yeah, we know this. Um, but there's a difference, right? There is a difference in being able to intellectually understand what the scriptures say. Uh, if, we, if we were to kind of get into some groups this morning, probably most of us, maybe all of us could intellectually say, this is what 1 Corinthians 12 verses uh, 14 through 26, we could read it and then say, this is what it says. Intellectually, it makes sense. I understand what Paul is writing there. There's a difference in that and being able to say, I intellectually, I understand what the scriptures say. I can articulate those things to you. There's a difference in that and embracing those scriptures. And living out those scriptures. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to do what I command you to do. There's a, there's a world of difference in, in just intellectually knowing what the Bible says and then engaging and embracing the truth of the scriptures so that we live it out. Okay? So last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 26. This is what it looks like if we function as the body of Christ. Every part. Toes can't look to arms and say, well, because I'm not you, I'm not going to engage. People with um, less upfront gifts or less showy gifts can't say because I didn't get that gift. I'm just not going to serve in the body. And in the same way, people who um, have those more uh, visible gifts can't say to those with, uh, without those types of gifts, we don't need you. Right. So so that's what the passage says. There's a there's a difference in, in understanding what that means and then embracing that and committing we will live this way. We're going to live as these people. We're going to live as this kind of a body. We're going to be a body that displays the glory of God and, and, and Jesus Christ to each other and to the world. There's a difference there. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is what does it look like? What will it look like? What does the scripture tell us it will look like if we will embrace this? If we'll embrace what God has called us to be, the fact that he has gifted us as individuals in unique and purposeful ways to serve each other and to display Christ and to glorify God in the body, what will that look like? God has gifted the church with leaders who equip the members and who serve each other so that the body is built up, so that the body is growing and the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a fuller image of Jesus Christ. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12. We're not just going to stay in 1 Corinthians this morning, but let's just read from 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 27. If you wouldn't mind standing back up and let's, let's follow along together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, Second, prophets, third, teachers, and miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets, excuse me, I did that the first service too. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret 
pray. Father, thank you. It is grace that we can look to your word. And it is grace that we can understand it. And it is grace that we can embrace it. It's grace that we can believe it. It's grace that we can live it out. So, Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us, God. We have joyfully declared the gospel in song over the past several minutes. Help us to believe. Help us to embrace those truths. That we are united together with Christ. That we are adopted because of Christ and because of your grace. As we've been looking in these verses leading up to this morning, God, you have gifted us purposefully so that we might glorify you, so that we might display Jesus. So help us, Lord, help us to embrace those things and help us to not just intellectually affirm what you have written, God, but let us embrace those things and let us live them out as your body for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 27, Paul says again, it's kind of a theme through here. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As individuals in the body of Christ, you make up the body. Talking about last week, each part playing its part, gifted in a unique way, functioning in a unique way to display Jesus. You're the body of Christ. God has gifted the church with individuals who serve one another with their gifts. But the point of serving and the point of the individual serving by their gifts is so that Jesus would be displayed, so that we as the body display Christ. That's the point of all of this. We want to display Jesus. We want to display Christ. And so, as we go through this, as we go through this morning's passage, as we go through these next weeks, we can't lose sight of that. Everything we talk about this week, everything we talk about next week as we work our way through chapter 13 and then chapter 14, it's all about displaying Jesus. It's all about Christ. And if we lose sight of that, if we lose focus of the fact that we've been gifted so that we'll display Jesus, so that we look like Jesus to each other and to the world, then we're going to get off track like some of the Corinthians did, like we talked about last week. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ. How are we displaying him? Paul says, you're the body, you're the body, you're the display of Jesus. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. If you're just jumping in with us this morning, I encourage you, uh, when we went through chapter 12, verses um, 4 through 11, we talked about these various gifts. In chapter 4, it says that there are varieties of gifts. Chapter, or excuse me, verse 4 says there's varieties of gifts. Verse 5, there's varieties of service or ministries. Verse 6, there's varieties of activities, or that word means effectiveness. 
There's varieties of gifts and ministries and effectiveness in the body. And, and in that, he, he, he goes through and lists some of the gifts, gifts there. And, and again, we looked ahead to uh, verses 20 or verse 28. And we talked about some of the gifts that are listed there as well as in Romans 12, as well as in Ephesians 4, as well as in 1 Peter 4. And so there's, there's places that, that list these gifts. We talked about what some of those gifts mean. I'm not going to unpack that again this morning and take time to describe what he's talking about each one of those. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message online from uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. But he says he gives gifts. He gives apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. We talked about this at the beginning of chapter 12, but you notice that in that list there, uh, earlier in chapter 12, it all seems like it's all giftings that are given to people. Here in uh, verse 28, uh, it seems that some of those are roles, some of those are positions or ministries, and then others are gifts that are given to people. And that is the case, uh, just like he says in the, in, in, in the beginning of chapter 12, there are varieties of service, there's varieties of ministries. And so God has gifted with apostles, he's gifted the church with prophets, he's gifted the church with teachers, he's gifted the church with miracles and healing, and, and all of this list here as well as the other list, he's gifted in these ways. Why? So that we can glorify God and display Jesus Christ. Now, there's a parallel passage to this that we're going to spend most of our time in. As we look to embrace what is laid out in 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 is a very similar passage to what we've just read in these two verses and in the previous verses. But it unpacks not just uh, this is what we ought to be, but it, it, it kind of directs us into this is what it's going to look like and this is what's going to happen if we embrace these things. So go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to spend some time there together. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11. This is Paul writing here as well to the Ephesians. In verse 11 it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. We have a very similar passage here. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Again, these are roles that Paul's referring to here. He begins both passages, both uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and this one with apostles and prophets, right? So he gives the apostles and the prophets. Those are roles. Those are people 
that God gave to the church and those roles as it's referred to in, in, in uh, Ephesians 4.11 have already been filled. The reason I say that is if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 19 and 20, the apostles and prophets that it's referring to there are those who laid the foundation of the church. And so when he refers to the apostles and prophets, the apostles were the 12 that Christ chose and sent out, including Matthias from Acts chapter 1, who replaced Judas when, God, or when Jesus chose the 12. He knew, the Gospels tell us, he knew from the very beginning who was going to deny him. It was Judas. And so just as was prophesied in Acts chapter 1, Matthias is chosen to replace Judas, the 12 that are chosen and literally sent out by Christ, as well as the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, who, who met the Lord in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. He sees Christ, he's converted at that moment, and he's literally sent out by Christ. So the apostles and prophets that it's referring to here in Ephesians 4.11 are those, the 12 apostles plus the apostle Paul. Those apostles had all been specifically called by Christ. They had all seen the risen Lord. Scriptures teach us that. They had authority to speak and write the words of God equal in authority to the Old Testament scriptures. In the same way, the apostles were used by God in laying the foundation, as it says in Ephesians 2. And what was the foundation that they laid? What's the foundation that the apostles and prophets laid for us? It's the scriptures. It's the word of God. The ministry of the apostles and prophets is what we hold up here Every week, it's what we strive to hold up day in and day out as individuals who are a part of the body of Christ. It's God's word. That's the foundation of the church. Christ, it says, being the cornerstone in verse 20 of Ephesians 2. And so we, do we still need, even, even though I, I mentioned that the, the roles of apostles and prophets that we see here in verse 11 have ended do we still need the apostles and prophets? Absolutely. But as for their offices, when the apostles uh, died, they were not replaced. The foundation was laid, likewise, with the office of prophet. Now, I want to I be clear here, okay? Are there other people who are referred to as apostle in the New Testament? What some people will, will refer to as lowercase apostle in regards to the capital A apostle that we see with those sent out by God. Yes, there are. Uh, some who are just in the New Testament referred to as uh, messengers or those who were sent out. That's what the word literally means. Yes, there were others, but those were sent out by others than Christ. And what it's referring to here in Ephesians 4.11 are the apostles, those chosen, set apart by Jesus and sent out to spread the gospel. In a similar way, I don't want to uh, confuse us. We're going to get to chapter 14, okay? We're going to get there. But there is a difference in the office or role of prophet as seen in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 and Ephesians 4, 11 and the gift of prophecy. 
There's a distinction that's made there. There's a difference, okay? But the role, the person, the people who were apostles and prophets, that when they died off, they were not replaced. There were no new apostles that were chosen by Jesus and sent out. And we'll get to then what is the New Testament gift of prophecy soon. We're getting closer, right? If you're just jumping in, we're working our way through the entire book. We got to chapter 12. There were rumors in chapter 3, okay, of people. I can't wait to get to chapter 14, all right? So understand, there's this anxiousness amongst us, all right? If you're just jumping in, you haven't got to feel that. People are so excited. Skip to chapter 14. We're not skipping. We'll get there. We'll get there. Then he says, he, he says in uh, Ephesians 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Evangelists are those who, who took the gospel with power to those who had not heard. Philip in Acts was an evangelist. Timothy was, was uh, commanded by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. Now there's some disagreement on was this an office in the New Testament that, that, that also... Um, people filled as an office, we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, right? We're all called to do evangelism. Matthew 28, Jesus says, before leaving the earth, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. That's doing the work of an evangelist. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. So we are all called to do that, all right? There is a, there is a, a discussion, some, uh, some think that evangelist here uh, was a role that, that um, specific people uh, filled in the New Testament, and some are, are, uh, w- would say this is just um, people who are called by God and, and empowered by God, uh, gifted by God to go and take the gospel, and God uses them in a unique way, and, and people believe. But he says... He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the pastors and teachers. Now, the word, uh, that, that phrase there, the pastors and teachers, you may have a little note next to yours. You should always look. What does that mean? Um, mine has a little number six there. You can look at the bottom and see what it is. And it says um, at the note there, pastors, teachers. In the, in the original language, there's no uh, definite article to separate those as two different things. It's, it's probably best to see that as uh, a one role, so the pastor-teacher. So although there is a ministry of teaching in the body of Christ, the gift of teaching within the body of Christ, that different people in the body are gifted with in different ways to uh, minister to the body, this is specifically talking t- uh, concerning the shepherds of the body, which are referred to as the elders, or some churches would call the overseers, and some would call bishops. It's, it's, it's the shepherds, the elders. So we give the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, teachers. Verses 12 and following. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. He gave these to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now if we just take those two things, okay, verses 11 and the beginning of 12... It's very similar, very parallel to what we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and 28. He gave these, 
And as we've seen in chapter 12, he gave gifts, which we would see that work of ministry. He gave these people to equip the saints to use their gifts. That's the gifts being used in the body that we see in 1 Corinthians 12. So he gave them to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to use their gifts, to come together and function together and serve together and glorify God together. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's a picture of what we have in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26. It's the whole body doing its part so that Jesus is displayed. Every part, every joint, every every piece of the body functioning so that Jesus is displayed. And as we talked about last week, if, if any of the parts are not functioning the way that they should, or if some of the parts have decided we want to function as other parts instead, then the whole body is not displayed and Jesus isn't seen as clearly. The point is we want Christ, we want Jesus to be displayed. As the people of God, as people who have been changed, adopted, saved, forgiven, washed, sanctified, justified, in our heart of hearts, do we truly want Jesus to be seen? God says, I've called you to glorify me. I'm commanding you to glorify me, and I've equipped you to do that very thing. I have gifted you, and I've called you to just serve, to to use those gifts in the body. And if you use those gifts in the body, then you will glorify me. You will display me. But do we want that? We saw last week in Corinth, there are people who, who become so individualistic in their thinking I'm not content with the gift that God has given me. I wish I had that gift, or I wish you weren't a part of the body because we don't really need you here. They become so individualistic that, that in, their, in, in, in their heart they ought to be seeing they're making this now about displaying themselves, not about displaying Jesus. We can just as easily drift into that. Sometimes, church, sometimes churches defer to the pastors, to the staff, to do the work of ministry. What we see here in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 is that's impossible. It's not just unbiblical, it's impossible. We won't display, I cannot display Jesus as the body. Five of us cannot display Jesus as the body. Eight of us in in this context cannot display Jesus as the body as fully as all of us can when we come together serving with the gifts that God has given to us. The church, the body of Christ, is not meant to be stale. It's not meant to be stagnant. We are alive. We sang about that throughout the beginning of the service. We are alive in Christ. Thanks be to God that the truth of the gospel is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ Jesus. We're alive. Therefore, if we are alive, we ought to be growing. We're either growing or we are dying, and I don't mean physical, numerical growth. I'm referring to what Paul's talking about here. We are will be growing. As his body, we will be growing if we are engaging and and being obedient and embracing what he has called us to be. And so what does that growth look like? 
What does it look like if we, as, as the body of Christ, if each one of us, every part, were to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26, if we were to look at the beginning of Ephesians 4, if we were to look at all of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and we were to say, we will embrace this for the glory of God, what will that look like? Well, Paul tells us here in Ephesians 4, and we see three things. The first is this, if we embrace what we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 26 as God's people, the first thing we'll see is that we'll be growing together in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We will be growing together in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. That's growth. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to be growing together as the body if we embrace this. We're going to be building up the body of Christ, edifying the body of Christ, encouraging the body of Christ. Until it says, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The unity of the faith. What is the faith that Paul's talking about? He's talking about the gospel. In fact, in the book of Jude, verse 3, Jude refers to it as the faith as what was once for all delivered to the saints. So what we see is if we will embrace what we have been called to as the body of Christ, where we are using our gifts to build up the body, to encourage the body, to serve the body, then we're going to be growing and we're going to be united in the gospel. We're going to see more and more and more harmony among us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the faith. That's amazing. That is amazing. That as we serve and as we grow and as we uh, give and as we participate together, that we're going to be growing in the most important thing in our lives, the gospel. That we're going to be more united in that. That we're going to see harmony in that. That we're going to have a greater love together for that. If we embrace what God has called us to. This is the body of Christ he's referring to. This whole text, Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 16. This is body life. Every joint, every part working together to this end. We are to grow in harmony and unity. In both the faith and also in the knowledge of the Son of God. If, if that was all that it said, that we would, that we as His body, if we would just serve, if we would be what He's called us to be, if we would do that, that we would grow in unity and harmony around the gospel. If that was it, if that was the only end result, that would be more than worth it. We just sang earlier the gospel in song and we joyfully lift our voices singing the gospel. We love the gospel, but do we love the gospel? Do we embrace the gospel? Do we want the gospel to be displayed? Do we want to have harmony with everyone in the body around the gospel and in the gospel? 
Do we desire that? Do we want that? Paul says, if we will just unite together and be what God has called us to be, embracing 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26, we're going to see that more and more and more and more in us. We're growing to that end. We're also growing in the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, he says. As we're equipped, as we serve, we do it with our hearts and our eyes gazing on the object of our faith, the object of our affections, Jesus Christ. As we serve in the body of Christ, it's all about Christ. We serve because of Jesus. We serve to display Jesus. We serve Jesus even as we serve each other. It's about Christ. Paul says, as as, as we serve together and each part is doing its part and we're coming together, we're going to be growing more and more together in that way. And we're going to grow in our unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. Together as a body, we're going to know him more and more and more deeply. I hope that is joyful. I hope that is desirous that, that we would, not just as individuals kind of spread apart, but as his body coming together in a united and harmonious knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. So as we serve, we're growing, and we're going to keep growing. The unity of the faith, unity in the gospel, we're going to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's part of what happens if we embrace 1 Corinthians 12, if we take it seriously. And it says we're going to grow to mature manhood. Look at that in verse 13. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Well, what is that? What is the mature man that we're growing towards? It's Jesus. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we keep growing and growing and being more and more united and growing and growing and being more and more united around the gospel and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're maturing. We're looking more and more and more and more and more like Jesus as we grow. So if we are an individual, maybe like some in Corinth that we talked about last week, and we think at some point... Well, that's it. I mean, I've been here for four years or five years or whatever, and I've served and served and served. And this person over here, they've been here for just as long, and they haven't been serving, and I'm, I'm done. I'm, I've, I've given enough, and now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to rest. Paul, don't do that. We don't look like Jesus yet. And we keep serving and serving and using our gifts until we look like Jesus. And that's going to take a while <laughs> So at no point does the body stop and say, we arrived. We did it. We are the mature man. No, when we see Jesus. But until then, we just keep serving and and united together around the gospel and around Jesus. And we're serving and using the gifts that he's called us to so that we can display him better and better and better and better. We're growing in that. Secondly, if we embrace what we see in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26, we're going to find that we're growing in truth-filled love. Verses 14 and 15, So that you may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We can see two things as it refers to growing in truth-filled love here. First of all, we're going to become steadfast in truth. As his body, as, as people who make up his body, we're going we're gonna to see a steadfastness in truth among the members of the body. The picture that he gives here is so that as every wind of doctrine comes along, every new thing, every new story, Jesus didn't really mean this, but Jesus didn't really say this, but Jesus couldn't really be like this. When all of those waves of doctrine come along, we're unshakable. We don't let those shake us to our core so that we then freak out every time one of them comes. and oh, I didn't know this. What do we do now? We thought that Jesus did this. No, we, we, we know we're growing in our love for the gospel and our unity for the gospel. We're growing in our knowledge of the Son of God so that we can come before him and say, Jesus, we know you. We know this is not your character, and so we are not tossed about by this. We're not like a little boat in the middle of the ocean so that when some false doctrine comes along, we're just tossed here and there, and we go over with this understanding. And that, No, no, no. Your word has shown us and taught us what you are like, Jesus, and who you are like. And what the gospel is. So we're not going to be tossed. We're not going to be blown about like wheat leaves in the wind. We believe, we believe we are rock solid as we grow more and more and more and more. We become steadfast in truth. We're not easily swayed. Rather, he says, we speak the truth in love. You're going to have a steadfastness in the truth and you're going to lovingly guide each other in it. Paul literally is, is saying there in, in the Greek, he's, the, 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 the expression he uses is truthing love. Truthing love to each other. You're going to love each other and that love is, is not going to avoid speaking the truth. We, we talked last week in 1 Corinthians 12, that, that verse, having the same care for one another. Are, are we there yet? No. We, 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 are easily, we easily gravitate into, into our little cliques. Paul says we ought to have the same care, the same care for every part of the body, no matter how God has gifted them, no matter what part they play in the body, you ought to have the same care for that part of the body as any other part of the body. We're growing up in love and we're speaking the truth in love. Having the same care for one another. The beauty is, is, as we speak the truth in love to one another, that helps us in our steadfastness in truth. So, so Randy and I had coffee two weeks ago, and we're talking together for seven hours, it was. It was, it was wonderful. It was a while, and it wasn't that long. 
But as we're talking and, 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 and hopefully speaking the truth, I'm encouraged and I'm, I'm helped by his words. As he speaks the truth and, and we're built up and, 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 and my, my boat is being grounded more and more and more in truth so that the waves are not tossing it back and forth. As we do that as the body of Christ, speaking truth, it guards us against those errors. Why? Because what is the truth he's talking about? It's the word of God, for one. It's what Jesus tells us. He's praying for us in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So we ought to be speaking the word to each other, encouraging each other. Speaking the truth in love. We're speaking Jesus to each other. John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Paul says, be a body, you're growing together, and as you grow together and embrace the truth of who you are in Christ and how you're gifted and you're serving and you're growing together in that, you're going to be more unified in the gospel, you're going to be more unified in your knowledge of the Son of God, you're not going to be drifting as much as you used to, you're going to become more steadfast in the truth, and part of what's going to help you in that is the love that you have for each other to speak the truth into each other's life. Now, that's not permission for rudeness or just being uh, abrasive to each other. It's speaking the truth in love. But it's also not seeing people in the body who are going and, 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 and those who are being more likely to be tossed or following after fleshly desires and seeing them and say, well, it's okay, we all struggle. Or someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm really struggling with this. What do you think about this? Ah. I'll pray for you. And then we see him the next week. It's like, what did, they, what did they say to me again? No, we love. We have the same care for each other. We count others as more significant than ourselves. So if we were in the same place, how would we want to be treated in that? I would want God's word spoken to me so I know what is the right thing for me to do in this situation. And God's word might hurt it might sting. It might, be a, it might feel abrasive even as it's coming in love because it's exactly opposite of what I want or where I'm going. But as we speak the truth, we do it in love. We do it in love because we have the same care for one another and we want Jesus to be displayed. So as we take 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 16 seriously, we become more and more steadfast in truth, and we speak the truth in love. You see that. You see that in the body. In Acts chapter 2, we, we, we talk about how, how they, um, day after day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. As you go through that passage, it, it talks about day by day having favor with all the people. Same care for one another. Love. Wanting Christ to be displayed. Third, as we embrace, we're going we're gonna to see that we're growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ in love. Verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Now, certainly we see from verse 16, that's exactly what Paul has been saying in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26. Every part, every joint, everything doing what it was equipped and gifted to do. And when we do that, when we see that, we're going to see that we're growing. Verse 15, we are to grow up in every way. We, okay, the body, think body. We're we're so individualistic in our thinking. And so we get to verses like this and we think me or I think us. We, the body of Christ, when we together are speaking the truth in love, when we together are growing in unity around the gospel and the knowledge of Jesus, these are the results that we're going to see. And we are called as a body together to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Uh, what I love about this whole thing, verses 11 through 16, is if you, if you look at it in, in, in the context and the picture that we have of it, it's cyclical, right? It's this ongoing process because we don't look like Jesus yet. We're not the mature man yet. So it's this continual cyclical process that we never get to the point where we say, ah, enough is enough, let's just stop. No, it's about Jesus. So we keep serving, we keep giving, we keep going, we keep studying, we keep loving, we keep encouraging, we keep building each other up in love. And as Jesus is the displayed in our body to each other and to the world and more people are coming into the body we just continue this cyclical process because we want jesus to be fully displayed in his body and so as we get to the end of the passage from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love which takes us right back to Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So we just keep going and going and going and going until we see Jesus. Paul says we're to grow up in every way into Christ. God has given us a method of doing that. As each has received a gift, use it. And again, I want to encourage you, this is not just a Sunday morning thing. We come together and now I'm ready. Here's my gift and I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. Whoever I see first is dead meat because they're getting my gift this, because I only have an hour and a half every week to use my gift. That's not what we're talking about. This is every day, day by day. They met together in homes, Acts 2 says, using our gifts to build up the body of Christ. So whether it's in, Uh, Sunday morning in our fellowship or in life group or in homes as you have the body into your home or you're into other people in the body's homes. We're using our gifts. God has gifted us. He's gifted the church so that the body is built up, growing in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a fuller image of Jesus Christ. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, just quickly. Verses 29 and 30, Paul says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? 
The expected answer to all of those is no. Not everyone does everything. We need each other. We need the body or we won't display Christ fully. Each part working and doing what it is gifted, equipped to do. So that we can best display Jesus and best glorify God as a church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we need you. We need you. You have used Paul to write scripture that we can read and we can understand what it says. You have used him to clearly articulate a picture for us, commands for us. But we need your spirit, Lord, to embrace it and to obey it. So please help us, I pray. Help us to love you. Help us to love this body. Help us to love the church, Lord. And help us to long for you to be displayed in us and through us. Help us to search our own hearts, Lord. Do we have the same care for one another? And Lord, where we don't, when we don't, Lord, help us to be truthful with our own heart. We have become self-seeking. We're not desiring to display you. We're desiring what we want. Would you help us and change us by your spirit, Lord? Let us be the church that you have called us to be, that you've commanded us to be, and graciously that you have equipped us to be. Give us humility, Lord, that we would serve others, that we would love others, that we would embrace you, God. We want you to be glorified, Jesus. We want you to be displayed. What better thing would we want the body and the world to see than you, Jesus? So help us, we pray. Amen.